We'll say good morning. I don't know what happened with the uh, computer this morning. It doesn't seem to be cooperating, so I'll have to learn the old-fashioned way without, uh, without, without a computer. All right, so says, uh, says the Yomar, we're up to Daf Zion. Daf Zion, we're going to actually pick up on the last line of Vav Amud Beis. So the Gemara says the following, Mosar Nozir Linedova. So remember the Mishnah said that if you had put aside money for uh, for Karbanos for Naziros, so ultimately if there's any leftover monies, those monies go to Nidava. They go to Nidava, and, and again, I, I obviously I'm not going to explain anymore, but if, to explain it one last time, Nidava ultimately means that fund, what we call Ketzam Mizbeach, the dessert fund for the altar, that there should, should there ever be a moment where the, where the altar is dormant, ultimately you can go ahead and... Purchase carbonos from there. So most are nazir than a dava. Rav Chista, Rav Chista says, top of Zayin, v'hu shekirva chatoso besof. This is very interesting. We'll say if you look at the tiklin charetin, v'hu shekiriv chatoso lebasof. See, he writes shahanazir maybe gimel behimos. Nazir brings three different carbonos. Sorry, nazir brings three different carbonos. Chatos, Ola, Ushlamim. A chatos, an Ola, and Shlamim. Ukeshehikrit chatoso libasof. And when he ultimately brings his chatos in the end, Vahu Moser chatosu de Kaamar, de Mosro Nedava, Vaamas Nisen Koi. So Moser makes a very interesting qualification. So now a Nazir is going to bring a chatos, an Ola, and a Shlamim. So says, When do we say that the leftover monies from a Nazir are ultimately used for Nedava? That's when the last carbon that he brought of his three was his chatos. Why? What does that have to do with anything? Because then we essentially view the monies as leftover chatos monies. And as the Mishnah says, leftover chatos monies go to Nidava. But for argument's sake, so essentially what Rav Chista is saying is, if you have leftover monies, leftover monies are considered to be leftover of the last carbon you offered. So depending ultimately on what the last carbon you offered was, that would determine what you do with the leftover funds. Aval, top of Zainab Aleph. Aval, however, Aval, e carbo shlamim, if you were to go ahead and offer up your shlamim lebasov at the end of, at the end of the sacrificial order over here, then most run shlamim that indeed the leftover funds would be used for shlamim, as indeed is the halach. If you have money set aside for shlamim, and then there's leftover monies, that money ultimately could only be used for shlamim. Amr Rab Zira. Rab Zira disagrees with Rav Chistan, says, not true. Afilu karvu shlamim lebasov. It's not true. You can't start doing this with, with Nazirus, because then you're going to have different circumstances, or different halachas in different circumstances. Rather, Rab Zira says, even if you offered shlamim last, meaning not chatos last, there is one standardized halacha by Nazir that says what? Any leftover funds are always going to go into the Nedava fund. So both say, fundamental machlokes, Rav Chista and Rav Zira. Rav Chista ultimately saying that, again, the leftover monies from Nazir only go to Nedava when the last carbon that's offered is achatos. And Rav Zira saying, and Rav Zira saying, no, that ultimately goes to Nadova, even if, even if, it doesn't matter which is the last carbon, it's just halacha acha, standardized, standard operating procedure. Masnisa misayeladin, u masnisa misayeladin. There is a brisa that supports this opinion, Rav Chisto, and there's a brisa that supports this opinion, Rav Zira. 
So he says, Misayeladin, I'm sorry, Brais Misayeladin, Brais Masis Misayeladin, Masnisa Misayeladin, Rab Zira. So what is the Braisa that supports Rabbi Zi'ira? He said, what is the Braisa? Remember, Rabbi Zi'ira's opinion was that it doesn't matter what the order of the Karbonos are. The leftover funds of the Nazir always go to Nadava. So what's the Braisa that supports him? So Elohim, the Braisa says, Elohim Maos Stumin. These are considered to be, I will say Maos Stumin means unspecified funds. Kol Shedinei Chatos Mesos Mu'uravos Bahen. Any time that you have a collection of money, and there is money ultimately of which chatos that died are included in that. Afilu hifrish dme chatos misocha maos stuminim. Even if you removed the chatos money from among this bunch, so ultimately the remaining monies are still considered to be maos stumin. I will say maos stumin is another way of saying leftover sacrificial money that's going to go into the Nedava fund. So what do you see from here? That according to what the Bryce says, that even if you have, if you have monies of mixed carbonos, and ultimately you remove the chatos money first, the rest of the fund still goes into Nedava, which indicates to us what Rabbi Osai, that Lemaisa, it doesn't matter the order which the carbonos are offered, it still is going to go to Nedava. So that's the Bryce that supports Rabbi Zira. Masni Samiseya there is a price that supports Rav Chista. Elu If a person has, a person has a bunch of money, and he says these monies are for my chatos, v'hashar v'hashar l'shar nizirusi. And what happens? And the rest of these monies are for the rest of my are for the rest of my karbanos nazir. Also remember, like we said before, a nazir has to bring three karbanos: a chatos, an ola, and the shlamim. So what happens? The nazir is at the end of his term. He actively separates some money from the, from the pile. And he says, this is for my chatos. And the rest will satisfy the rest of my obligations for my, for my shlamim and my ola. And what happens? And then he dies. And then he dies. So what is the halacha? So the Bryce says, mo'alin bekulan ve'in mo'alin bemiktsasan. So this is very interesting. You can only commit mi'ila if you use all of the money, but you can't commit mi'ila if you only use some of the money. What's the pshat with that? Interestingly enough, you can only violate the laws of Mi'ila with what we call Kodshe Kadoshim, with higher order sacrificial items. But there is no concept of Mi'ila by Kodshim Kalim, lower sanctity items. So for example, for, so for example um, a carbon Ola is a Kodshe Kadoshim, is higher orders, which also makes sense because nothing of it is consumed, as opposed to, let's say, Chatos or Shlamim, where ultimately those are Kodshim Kalim. So, so listen to this case. So now all of my, I, I went ahead, Nazir went ahead, separated out some funds for the chatos, sent the rest of the money in the piles for the rest of my karbonos, but he didn't offer anything, he died. So now the Braissa says, the only way you can commit me'ila is how? Is if ultimately you go ahead and you use all of the money together. But if you only used some of the monies, then what? Then Lemaisa, what that shows is, what that shows is, if you only use some of the money, it's possible that the money that you used was kodshim kalim money, and therefore not subject to me'ila. It's only if you use all of the money at once that you've definitely violated me'ila, because all of the money, by definition, also includes what? Money of kodshim kadashim, of ola money, and therefore you'll be subject to me'ila. But I will say, so what, what, what's the chap over here? Velo amar, velo amar, imes yiplulinadava. And yet, what doesn't the Braissa say? The Braissa doesn't say that in this case, when the Nazir dies, all of the money falls into the Nadava fund. The Rabbos say, according to Rechista, why doesn't the Braissa say that if the Nazir died, all of the money falls into the Nadava fund? Because remember, what's the case of the Braissa? 
you've separated out chatos first, and the remaining monies are there for Ola and Shlomim. So Rav Chista's position is what Rav Osai, the only time that leftover monies of a Nazir are going to the Nadava fund is when? Is when the chatos was the last thing separated. Because then we view the remaining monies as leftover chatos monies. But clearly, again, if, it's, if, if the chatos is separated first, the leftover monies are not considered chatos money, and therefore they're not, they don't fall into the Nadava fund. So Rav Osai, again, both Rav Chista and Rav Zi'ira have brisos that, res- that, that, that respect their, their, their respective opinions. Rav Chista, Rav Chista says, similarly, I both say you should know, the Rambam Paskins like Rabbi Zi'ira, like Rabbi Zi'ira, namely, namely that halacha achos lekulon, we have one standardized law by Nazir. We don't say that it depends which carbon you offered first. The halacha concerning Nazir is if there's any leftover monies from, from what the Nazir collected for his carbonos, those monies, doesn't matter the order in which he separated for the carbonos, those monies fall into the Nadava fund. So now that we started with Nazir, the Gemara says, Rav Chista, Rav Chista says, Mosar Lachmo, Mosar Lachmo, Shel Nazir Yurkov. Rav Chista says, the leftover monies of the bread of a Nazir are left to rot, which I will say again is another way of saying that Lemaisa, a Nazir had to bring certain loaves also with his certain lechem ultimately with his carbon, and therefore if there's, any leftover car- if there's any leftover bread, literally it's left to rot, but it, remember, it could also be, it could also be so, this could also be true with money, that if there's any leftover monies, if there's any leftover monies, those monies are also not used for anything else. Amr Rav Yossi, Rav Yossi says, V'yayus, and this is true, and this is true, why? Because what he's supposed to do with the leftover nausea bread? It, you can't offer it by itself. Because there's no thing as a sacrifice of bread by itself. To go ahead and, let's say, offer these loaves to another Nazir for him to use with his karbanos, that doesn't work. Because you can't establish a karban Zeros without bread. So meaning every Nazir has to bring his own bread. Therefore, Therefore, based on this, we'd have to say, that is really only one choice left, that when there's leftover bread of a Nazir, you just allow it to sit and rot. Sovereign Meymar, based on this, we thought to say, who, who, I'm sorry, Sovereign Meymar, who, Lachmo, who, Mosar, I'm sorry, let me read that again. Sovereign Meymar, who, Lachmo, who, Mosar, Nesachov, now, I would have thought to say, based on this, that the same that is true for the bread is also true for any type of wine leftover. I also remember, some Kabbalos came with Nisachim wine libations. So I might have been tempted to say that Lemaya says the same law, which is that the same way that when there's leftover bread, you have to let it rot. Can't use it for anything else. If there's leftover wine, you also have to leave it alone. Am Rabbi Bar Rabbi Bun, Mosar Nisachav Kodshei Kadoshim Inun, Vyeplulunadavam. To which Rabbi Yossi said the name of Rabbi Bun, no, no, no. The difference with wine is leftover wine is considered to be kodshei kadoshim, and therefore the funds ultimately fall into the Nedava fund. Al daite de Rabbi Yossi bar Rabbi Bun, Shmuel aliva de Rav Chista, Shmuel aliva de Rav Chista, Shloshtan amru davar echad. So we'll say, listen to this. So now the Gemara is, this, the Gemara is going to say the following, that there are these three opinions that ultimately said the same thing. Namely, Rabbi Yossi bar Rabbi Bun, and, we'll, we'll, and, and interestingly enough, if you look at the Tiklin Charetin, Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Bun, Tiklin Charetin writes, Da Amar B'Shem Rav Chista, 
Demosar Nesachim Yiplu Linedava. So Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Bon is the one who said that leftover Nesachim, leftover wine. And Rabbi Yossi, what we understand when we say wine, what we really mean over here is money. Money set aside for Nesachim ultimately falls into the Nedava fund because they are Kachya Kadashim. So Rabbi Yossi, what we're going to see now is that these, the following opinions all pretty much stated the same concept, which is that when you have an object that is called Sheikh Kadoshim, that ultimately the leftover funds from that fall into the Nedava fund. So Aldaite Drabiosi Barabibun, Shmuel Aliba Dravchista, Narabosa again the gra the gra omits the the last line over here. Bimosar Bimosar Nesochim Binok Bimosar Nechosim Vrabi if it's really supposed to be Revchista. Shloshton Amru Dover Echa. So we'll say the Gemara is suggesting over here, Rabbi Yossi, Shmuel, and Rav Chista all said the same thing. What did they say? So Rav Chista Amar, Rav Chista Ahan, the Amran Shmuel, the Am Rabbi Yossi, Ad Da'ana Taman, Shamis called Rabbi Yehuda Shoel the Shmuel. I heard Rabbi Yehuda ask Shmuel, Hifrish Shiklo Umeis, Amar Le Yiplu Linadava, that if a person went ahead and separated out his half shekel and he died, then what happens? The leftovers go, not leftovers, meaning the shekel, goes into the Nadava fund. Rabbi Elazar Omer, Moser Asiris Ha'efa Shalom. Rabbi Elazar says that the leftover of the Kohen Gadol's Mincha offering, Rabbi Yochanan Omer, you have to throw it into Yamelach, can't get any benefit from it. And Rabbi Elazar Omer, Yiplu Nadava. And Rabbi Elazar says, no, ultimately it goes into the Nadava fund. So, both say again, the point over here is the common denominator among these three things. Between again, Nesachim, Shekel, and Mincha of, and Mincha of the Kohen Gadol, is that all three of them are treated as Kodshe Kadoshim. Interesting, we'll see how Shekel is treated as Kodshe Kadoshim because it's very interesting. Because Kodshe Kadoshim we normally associate with Karbonos. Here, the Gemara suggests that Shekel itself has a status of Kodshe Kadoshim. But the point over here is these three opinions in three different cases. Nesachim wine, leftover, leftover wine libations, shekel, the, sh- the individual separate half shekel then died, or the mincha of the Kohen Gadol, that let's say is leftover. In these three opinions, hold it, in these three cases, the leftover goes into the Nedava fund, and therefore all subscribe to the common idea that any leftover kod shekadoshim always go, always fall for Nedava. Says the Mishnah. Says the Mishnah. Well, so this is actually a, this the next the next Amud and a half is actually going to be great. I mean, it's all great, but this is this is actually a little bit more interesting. Halacha says as well. Mosar shavuyim l'shavuyim. I will say the topic of the Mishnah is when you collect money for a certain cause, what do you do with the surplus funds from the collection? So, because remember, we're coming off the hills of the previous of the previous Mishnah. Previous Mishnah was always speaking about leftover funds from sacrificial items. So now we're transitioning from sacrificial items to tzedakah. So let's say I collected money to redeem captives, and now there's extra money. I needed I needed uh, two thousand dollars to redeem the captives, and it turns out I raised twenty five hundred. So now what do I do with the extra five hundred dollars? So the Mishnah says, if there's leftover money for shvuyim, that money is earmarked for shvuyim. You can only use it for the redemption of captives. And ultimately, again, if you don't need it right now, you put it in the Shvuyim fund, and you'll unfortunately have to use it sometime in the future. Most are Shavoy, the Osa Shavoy. But if you collected money, I will say, to redeem a particular captive. So let's say, again, I raised money to redeem Ruvain, then what? The surplus funds are actually given to Ruvain. 
So let's say again his redemption. I was able to get him redeemed for two thousand dollars. We raised twenty five hundred. That extra five hundred goes to Ruvain himself. Moser aniim la aniim. If you collect money for the poor and there are surplus funds, those monies have to remain earmarked for the poor. Similarly, if I raised money for a particular poor person and it turned out that I raised more money than I initially needed, then what? The leftover funds ultimately go to that money. So what the Mishnah is saying is, when you raise tzedakah funds for a particular purpose, you may not switch their purpose if you have surplus funds. Whether that's true that you collect it in a general sense, or whether it's true you collect it in a personal sense. The money collected, even if above and beyond the targeted amount, is, is ultimately is, is given to either the intended purpose or the intended beneficiary. If I raised money to take care of the burial needs of someone, and again, I raised more than necessary, that money remains the property of the dead, which means, again, it goes into the burial fund, and I use it for future burials. Ultimately, if you go ahead and if, this, if, you, if I raise money for a particular person who died, particular burial expenses, and then it turns out that there are, there's more money than needed, the remaining money goes to the heirs of the deceased. Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Meir says, so I say, interesting enough, Rabbi Meir says, then no, when it comes to the leftover money for burial, for burial expenses, you should leave it until Eliyahu HaNavi comes, which is another way of saying we're not exactly sure what to do with it. Now, what's interesting is, say, if you look at the Karban Ha'ida, so the Karban Ha'ida is on the left-hand side, the left-hand side, so you see right towards the middle of the page, it says, Halacha Ches, then it says Mishnah. So look where it says Munach Misafkale Imachil Hames Ziluse Yershav Olo Munach. So I'll say it's a very interesting idea. The question is that to collect from one's burial needs obviously is an embarrassing thing. The mace is the mace the, the mace, so to speak, is mochal on his covered, so to speak. Meaning that, that the mace understands he has to get bar- buried, so he's mochal on his covered. But ultimately, the shaila is can the mace be mochal on the covered of the yarshim that they should be getting to Dakar from the community as well? So, therefore, Rabbi Meir says, Munach at Shabbalei, you should leave it until Eliyah Hanavi comes. Rabbi Nassim, Rabbi Nassim says, Most Rahameis, Bonalo Nefesh Al Kivro. Rabbi Nassim says, No, 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 if there's leftover monies, what we use that money for is to put a stone on top of the grave. So again, because remember, even though we only raised for burial expenses now, but Lemaisa, again, we go ahead and we use the leftover monies for the mace himself. Gavulo, gavulo So we'll say it's an interesting case. Let's say this is specifically talking about over here where they are collecting money with Tzarche Hames. So let's say it turns out that we collected money for Tzarche Hames for, for a person who died because he thought he didn't have, but it turns out what? That he did have, that he does have. Rabbi Yirmiya, sir, Rabbi Yirmiya says, Savar, Neymar Moser Hames Liyarshav. So Rabbi Yirmiya says, well, maybe the money should go to the heirs. Because after all, what did the Mishnah say? If you go ahead and you raise money for, to take care of the burial expenses, and a person, and it turns out that you raise excess funds, what do you do with the excess funds? You give it to the heirs. So Rabbi says, so this could be a similar case. We raised excess funds, not totally excess funds, because it turns out that the mace had. So we'll give it to the Yarshim. Amrli Rabbi Idi the Chutra. Rabbi Idi from Chutra, Chutra is a place, said to Rabbi Yirmiya, Haga Atzmacha. Then I will say, Haga Atzmacha is an interesting lesson over here. If you take a look, if you take a look at the Tiklin Chadatin. 
So again, I will say, I apologize. We're going to jump back and forth a little bit between the carbon Aid and Tiklin Charetin. On the right-hand side, first wide line on the bottom and the Tiklin Charetin. Haga Atzmecha Kilomar Ta'ayin Bazeh V'Timtsa Dilo Damia Hadadi. So I will say, Reb Yirmiya, excuse me, Reb Idi of Chutra says to Reb Yirmiya, what are you talking about? Haga Atzmecha literally means examine your words. Now, that's a sharp statement. It's not just saying simply I disagree with you. It's saying I think what you're saying is so fundamentally flawed. Delokivnan, delokivnan, elalei. That wasn't the point of the collection. When we collected for the burial needs of Reuven, it was for Reuven. The intent of the community and the intent of the funds was not to raise money for his children. If we need to raise money for his children, we'll do that differently. But what, 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 what Rav Idi Yudichutra said is you can't just switch monies from their intended purpose. The intended purpose was for the, was for the mace, not for the arshim. It's different. Remember, there's one thing to say that surplus funds collected for the mace go to the arshim because then you can say that's the das. See, this whole idea is predicated on the idea that, that people don't expect their money back if it turns out that you raise surplus funds. Rather, people understand, just give, it, just give it to the next, just either keep it for the next event, or ultimately, again, let's say in the case of the mace, give it to the Yarshim. But Lemaisa, again, to collect, and not to use it for that intended purpose at all, mm-hmm. but not to give it to the Yarshim, Rav Idi of Chutra says, that's ridiculous. Amalisa, also listen to this, Rabbi Yirmiya says, Rabbi Yirmiya says something very interesting. He's Rabbi Amalai, um, I'm sorry, Amr, Haga Atzadul so Rabbi Yirmiya responds, calm down. Ana lo amris. I wasn't saying it as a halacha. I was just simply talking out loud. Right? The question was posed as to what do we do if we collect for a mace who we thought didn't have money, but in reality does have money. And I was just thinking aloud about what you could do with this. I wasn't trying to pask in halacha lemaisa, calm down. At minalacha. But you, on the other hand, Rav Idi of Chutzra, you seem quite resolute in your position, namely that, again, it doesn't go to the Arshim, but rather, right, so tell me, where do you get your position from? Tani B'Shem Rabbi Nasan, Moser HaMais Yivnelo, I'm sorry, so that's it, so he leaves it like that, so he retorts back to Rabbi Idi the Chutra, you know, again, I was just talking out loud, you seem quite resolute, and I'll ask you, where do you get your position from? And that's where that stops. Okay, Tani B'Shem Rabbi Nasan, so Rabbi Nosson writes that if you have leftover monies, you raise money for the burial expenses, and you have leftover monies, you use the leftover monies to put a monument, to erect a stone on top of the kever. The Ya'aselo Ziluf Al-Gabe Mitaso. Well, it's very interesting. They had, they had a fascinating practice, which was that they would sprinkle wine on the funeral beer. On the funeral. Now we see a couple of things like this. They also used to put sometimes hadasim on the funeral bureau, so that was by Tzadikim. So it seems like some of these things were also done um, to, to make sure that there was no, there was no foul odor. Right? So they would sprinkle, they would sprinkle wine on top of, now apparently, again, this What's was more of like a uh, bed. Like the, the beer is what they, what they carry the mace on. B-I-E-R. So, um, studying for the SATs. So, uh, so, so, uh, so, so, what's interesting over here, so, so they used to sprinkle this, so apparently this is more a luxury item, I don't know if you call it a luxury item by a funeral, but, but again, this was not a necessity of the funeral, so the point that Rabbi Nassim is making now is, in the event that you have surplus funds, you could use it for these type of additional practices, however, Tani, so now also listen to this, Tani, in podin, uh, I'm sorry. In podin, shavui bishavui. 
You can't go to say, look at look at the carbon haida for just a moment over here. Left hand side again. If you raise money for a particular captive, you can't change it to collect for another captive. Even if what? Even if the second one is more important than the first one. I will say, again, let's say a communal leader is kidnapped, not by his own Balabatin, but I'm saying by, you know, by, by others. So again, you might, have, you might have a communal leader who's more important or more necessary than a regular person, but if you raise money for the regular person, you have to redeem them. So again, so if you raise money for a particular captive, can't use it for someone else. Similarly, the ain't govin talis patalis. Look at the carbon Aida again. Im govu mo'os liknos pohen talis zer. If you collected money to purchase a particular item for an individual, you can't go ahead and change the designation of those funds to go ahead and purchase someone else. Something else, excuse me. However, look how the Gemara ends. But we do not go ahead and literally object in the hands of the, the Gabai Tzedakah who does this. I will say, look at the Kabbalah Naida again. The Ein Memachin. Very interesting. What comes out from this sugit is the following: that when you collect for a particular cause, the money is earmarked for that cause, and no one really has the right to change that money into something else. So whether, again, if you're collecting for a general cause, the money remains earmarked for the general cause. If you're collecting for a particular individual, that money remains earmarked for the individual, even if you have surplus funds above and beyond what you are collecting for, that goes to the individual. Yet the Gemara ends off with an interesting footnote, which is, but often the Gaboy Tzedakah, those in charge of Tzedakah, do switch funds, and we do not object. So we'll say, what does that mean? That what it really comes down to is the following. That when you contribute, what the Gemara seems to feel is when you contribute to Daka, what you're doing is you're contributing to a cause, but what else are you doing? You are vesting the person with whom you gave it to with the authority to do the right thing with the money. So yes, you're, act, you're asking me for a particular cause, and that's what I'm contributing to, but it's almost like understood that in the event that for some reason, should there be additional funds or should there have to be some type of logical, logical, important switch, we vest the Gabai Tzedakah with the ability to do so. So on one hand, again, there is the purest halacha which says it only goes to what it was collected for, but there's the understanding that the dance of people when they give is that, because the truth is it's true, you never give, meaning people, people rarely just give to a cause. People give to a cause that has a solid person behind it. If I don't know who's running something, who's doing something, it could be the most, it could be the most bless you, it could be the most compelling cause, it could be the most compelling cause, but ultimately I'm not going to give it. So because we vest the Gabai Tzedakah with this authority, sometimes in times of need, the Gabai Tzedakah does have the right to go ahead and switch monies for other purposes. Fine. Says the obviously other Tzedakah purposes. So says the Gemara. Tani, it's a beautiful Gemara. Rabbi says, we do, not make, we do not make gravestones or grave markers for Tzadikim. Why not? So beautiful, because their words are their ultimate memorials. So you say, what's the of a gravestone? It's there to memorialize a person. It's there to go ahead 
and ultimately that the person shouldn't be forgotten. So the Rav Shimon Gamliel says the amazing part is tzaddikim don't need stones to be remembered. Tzaddikim, what they're remembered by are their words. So obviously I will say we still make, we still make ultimately stones for tzaddikim also because the truth is for us stones serve a different purpose as well which is to demarcate the grave. So even if I don't need the stone to, to trigger my memory about the important individual, I do need to know that it is a grave here as we saw before in order to be able to, for a variety of different reasons. Rabbi Yochanan, tells a story. Rabbi Yochanan havi misamech va'azil va'al. Va'al rabhiya bar Abba. So we'll say, Rabbi Yochanan was walking and he was leaning on rabhiya bar Abba. So we'll say, we've seen elsewhere that Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan was a large man. Was a large man. If you look at Tiklin Charitin, he says, Rabbi Yochanan haya misamech, haya tomech v'nasa alav, umipnei she Rabbi Yochanan haya bal basar. Kedamrina bebrachas, so we'll say one or two possibilities. Either he was hard of he did he was he was he was um he had, he had he, what's the word not blind but he was um he had impaired vision either impaired vision or the truth is seems to be also something wrong. he was very heavy so because of that when he walked he needed assistance so Biochanan is leaning on Rabbi Abba and what happens he sees Vahaya Rabbi Eliezer Chamele Omitamerle. And what happens? Rabbi Eliezer is walking by. He sees Rabbi Yochanan, and he sees him, Chamele, and then he goes and he hides from Rabbi Yochanan. <laughs> so he doesn't greet Rabbi Yochanan, rather he quickly goes to hide from Rabbi Yochanan. Mm-hmm. So, so Rabbi Yochanan sees this and he says, Halin tarti milayhu hadein bavla avidbi. This Babylonian, this is now Rabbi Yochanan referring to Rabbi Eliezer, this Babylonian wronged me in two ways. Number one, Chada. Number one, he didn't ask me how I'm doing. I also remember Rabbi Eliezer was Rabbi Yochanan's Talmud. So that, that's, what makes this, that's what makes this circumstance strange. So the Rabbi says, I'm angry, I'm upset at my Talmud for two reasons. Number one, he didn't greet me when he saw me. And number two, why did he hide from me? So I'm really Rabbi Yaakov Ba'idi. So also Rabbi Yaakov Ba'idi said to Rabbi Yochanan, this is how they, the Babylonian Jews, act. That someone of a lower stature does not inquire about the welfare of someone of a higher stature. So Rabbi Eliezer would not ask how you're doing because where he comes from, that's actually a sign of disrespect. Excuse me. Um, this is their practice. So because they fulfill the pasuk, Rauni Naarim, the lads have seen me, and they hide. The Yeshishim Kamu Amdu, but the elders they stand tall or they stand before me. So also what he's quoting over here is the pasuk from Eov. The, the, the apparently in Bavel they used to model themselves after this practice of So when the young ones see me, they run and hide out of reverence, not out of disrespect. So therefore they were trying to make Rabbi Yochanan feel better. Rabbi Eliezer is not ignoring you. He's just simply conforming to the social code of where he comes from. Amrle, so now I'll say, interestingly enough, Rabbi Yaakov Bar-Idi brings up another discussion, but what you're going to see is relevant to what just occurred. So he says, What is the Can you pass by can you pass by the Adura idol? They will say, what Rav Yaakov Ba'idi was asking Rav Yochanan is, is there a problem just walking by an idol? Is walking by an idol in and of itself a sign of respect or not? So, Amr, Amr, Leh, Mahu, I'm sorry, Amr, Leh, Ma'at, Poligle. 
Yekar avor kamuin. This is what you, well, what's the problem? There is no honor being given by just simply walking by something. Sami inuye. You could go ahead and literally means rub out its eyes, which is another way of saying, no, if you just walk by something and you don't actually pay attention to it, that's actually what? That's actually not, not only is it not respect, but it's actually disrespect. So Yaakov Ba'idi says, exactly. Amrale yeos. Now you understand. Rabbi Eli Yeos, Rabbi Eliezer Avid. Now you understand why Rabbi Eliezer would not come before you. And I will say, if you put these two things together, what you have is the following. Rabbi Eliezer was not going to inquire about the welfare of his Rebbe. Why? Because ultimately in Bavel, that's not how they rolled. Right? Ultimately in Bavel, right? In Bavel, the younger one did not inquire about the welfare of, he, of, an, of, a, of a more important person. Therefore, what would end up happening? Rabbi Eliezer would end up walking right by Rabbi Yochanan, and as Rabbi Yochanan just said by his own halachic admission, walking by something without acknowledging it is disrespectful. Therefore, what Rabbi Yaakov Ha'idi is trying to say is, Rabbi, don't get upset. Rabbi Eliezer was actually trying to act in the most bakhavadik way by ultimately hiding. Va'od, so, so Rabbi Yochanan says, but I'm still upset. Va'od avit habavla. This Babylonian does another thing. That I know whenever he relates my teachings, because remember I've also Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yochanan's student, whenever he relates my teachings, he does not relate my teachings in my name. In my name. He just simply relates them without attribution. We'll see why Rabbi Yochanan was makbid on attribution. So, nichnes with the fun of Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Asi. Amrulo Rabbi, ka hayamaisiva beis knesset shal so I will say, Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi walk in, and they are try- everybody's trying to calm down Rabbi Yochanan. So he say, Rabbi, don't get upset. Because you know what happens when you get upset? Bad things happen. And they tell the story that happened in the shul of the Tarsim. Tarsim is a group of people. The shul of Tarsim. Binagar sheyish baroso glustra. So I will say, this is a case. We actually saw this case in Masech Shabbos of a nagar. A nagar literally is like a doorstop. But it's a doorstop. It's a doorstop that has... Um, that has a larger, um, I'll describe it, like a larger, a wider piece on top. So what would happen is you'd put this in the door to keep the door from opening, but technically speaking, it could also be used for a mortar and pestle. Because, because the top is wider, you could use it to ultimately grind things up. So there's machlokis in Shabbos in terms of whether or not such an item is muktza. Is it muktza or not? So the Gemara says that they were, they, they were having this argument in the shul of the Tarsium, and Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yossi had a machlokis about this. Until as a result of their argument, they tore a Sefer Torah in their anger. So the Gemara says, Could it mean that they actually tore a Sefer Torah? Rather, what it means is what? A Sefer Torah was torn. I will say, if you could imagine the scene, what was happening over here. Remember, they used to learn out of scrolls. So what was happening? Rabbi Asi, Rabbi Asi, Rabbi, excuse me, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yossi are arguing about it. And what do you do when you're arguing with someone? You're looking in a text. And what ends up happening? This one pulls this way, this one pulls that way. And what ends up, and it tears. So as a result of the fact that things got so heated, they actually ended up tearing a Sefer. And there was, there was one elder who was present while this whole thing was unfolding. And his name was Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma. And he said, I will be shocked if this shul doesn't ultimately turn into a house of idolatry. When Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma saw 
just the anger and animosity that was occurring within the walls of the shul, he said, I have no doubt that this place will not endure. Not only will it not endure, but ultimately with this type of negative energy, this place will turn into a base of the Zara. So we'll say they, they were trying to go ahead, they were trying to go ahead and calm down Rabbi Yochanan. See, Rabbi Yochanan, as upset as you may be, Anger is not going to have a positive benefit in this circumstance. Isn't anger associated with the Vodazara? Correct, correct. That's the whole idea also that Gemara says, Kala Kois Kilove da Vodazara, I think. Yes, so I saw somebody quote that idea also. Yeah, here, yeah, Tiklin Kharatin. So look at the Tikkun Chalitz on the left hand side. It says, "Beisaknesa zeh avodazara mishum kala kois kiilu oved avodazara." Bar Shakivanta. Right. So Tikkun Chalitz says, because the Gemara says, "Whoever gets angry, it's as if you worship idolatry." We'll say the logic behind that is, when a person gets angry, to this a person really can't think of anything else but themselves and of their anger. So meaning they negate everything, the Gemara says, including the existence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, the Gemara, so therefore they're trying to calm down Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan. So what happens? Take a look, take a look at the Tiklin Charetin. So this is Rabbi Yochanan responding. He says, Kilomar, that episode that happened in the shul of the Tarsim, that happened with peers. Umay midamis la shani kois al Rabbi Elozer shohu talmidi. So ultimately, Rabbi Yochanan says, you know, it's not, it's not really, it's not really a good comparison. Why? Because these two individuals, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yosi, were peers. So when you're a peer, you have to be careful with how you treat your peer. But a Rabbi, a Rabbi has a right to expect a certain level of behavior from his Talmud. And when he does not get that level of behavior, he has the right to be upset. And Abosai, again, remember, part of also being upset is the element of Chinuch as well. It's important to... Vo- we, we only know if we're doing something wrong, usually, if someone tells us. Otherwise, if I, if I, if I don't know, if I'm doing something wrong, <coughs> I might not know what's wrong until somebody points out, Rabbi Yochanan, it's Rabbi Yochanan saying, you don't understand, this is my Talmud. He owes me a certain amount of respect because he's my Talmud. He's not displaying it. And therefore, again, I have actually a right and maybe even an imperative to be upset with him. Nichnas lafan of Rav Yaakov Ba'idi. So also listen to this. So Rav Yaakov Ba'idi comes along and says the following. Amalei, he says, Rebbe, I'm going exp- to tell you why you shouldn't be upset. Ksiv, kashet siva Hashem es Moshe Avdo. Kain siva Moshe es Yoshua. So I will say, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, this is in Yoshua. That as Hakadosh Baruch Hu commanded Moshe's servant, so too Moshe commanded Yoshua. So too Moshe Yoshua. And what does and the Navi goes on to say? By the way, the Chin Asa Yoshua Lo Hisir Davar Mikol Asher Tziva Shemes Moshe. And Yoshua did everything that God had commanded Moshe. Now says now says Rav Yaakov Bar Idi. Says Rav Yaakov Bar Idi something very interesting. The Chi Kol Dibar Vadibar Shaya Yoshua Yosheva Dorish Hayo Omer Kach Amar Moshe. Now let's understand this. Yoshua gets all of his Torah from Moshe. So that means every time Yoshua teaches, something comes from Moshe Rabbeinu. Do you think that every single time Yoshua conveyed a piece of knowledge, he said to his students, oh, and Moshe Rabbeinu said this, and Moshe Rabbeinu said this? No, he didn't mention Moshe Rabbeinu's name every time. Ella, Yoshua Yosheva Dorish, when Yoshua would go ahead and sit and give the shir, the Yodin Hakol Shahatora Shal Moshehi. Everyone knew that Yoshua's Torah was what? From Moshe Rabbeinu, he, there was no need for attribution. There was no need to say anything. It was understood that everything he knew, he knew from his Rebbe. So Rabbi Yaakov, he says, Rabbi Yochanan, Af ato, 
Eliezer Yoshev Vidoresh, when Eliezer and Eliezer gives a shear, Hakol Yodin Shatora Shelchahi. Rebbe, everyone knows when Rebbe Eliezer gives a shear, he is your Talmud. And therefore, ultimately, everyone knows that the Torah that comes out of his mouth is your Torah. Amr Lahen. So Rebbe Yochanan says, So at this point, Rebbe Yochanan turns to the other Rabbanim and he says, Why don't you know how to make me feel better like Rav Yaakov Varidi? So we'll say what comes out is, so now the Gemara explains Rabbi Eliezer's behavior. So the fact that he didn't go to greet his Rebbe is ultimately because that was the Benagid Bavel, that a person of a lower stature or lesser stature would not greet someone of a greater stature. And therefore he couldn't walk by because walking by without a greeting would have been an affront. Furthermore, even though he did not quote his Rebbe every single time, there was no need to. Because since he was his Rabbo, Bofaki was his primary Rebbe, taught him the majority of his Torah, it was understood that when Rabbi Eliezer said something, it was really from the mouth of Rabbi Yochanan. So the Gemara goes weiter. Now I said, what is this whole thing that Rabbi Yochanan is so makbid that his Talmud Rabbi Eliezer say over the teachings in his name? I mean, what is it? Is this a covered thing? What, what, what is it? So listen to this. So the Gemara says, he's not the first. Da'af David bikesh alei rachamim. David HaMelech asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu for compassion as well. Shene emar, agura ba'ohalecha olamim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I want to dwell in your tent for all eternity. For all eternity. Achaseh b'seser k'nafecha selah. I want to go ahead and literally find shelter in the cover of your wings. So the Gemara says, one second. Now, when David says that I want to live in your tents for, for all eternity, I will say tents can mean a number of different things, but often on the most basic level, a tent refers to Ohel Shelter, refers to the base measures. I want to live in the base measures for all eternity. So, is it possible that David Amalek is going to think that he's going to live for all eternity? Impossible. So the Gemara says, This is what David Amalek meant. He says, what David Amalek says is, you know what, I want eternal life, but not eternal physiological or biological life. That, that's not possible. But instead, what I want is the eternality of my words. And if I know that the words that I say in this world will ultimately, again, be remembered and will be used by those when I leave this world, that assures for me some level of eternity. So I'll say that, so the, the Gemara is pointing out of it, and by the way, this is the tie-in, because if you remember how the Sugi started, Rabbi Shemim Amil began by saying that we don't make grave markers for Tzadikim, because Tzadikim don't need grave markers to be remembered. Their words are their ultimate memorial. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Rabbi Yochanan, excuse me, is getting very upset that what? That his Tam Rabbi Eliezer is not going ahead and saying over teachings in his name. Why? Because the eternality that we have, Rabbi Osai, in this world is the Torah we leave behind. And Rabbi Yochanan is concerned that his eternality is being compromised. David Amel says, Hashem, please make sure, let me live in the tents of Torah for all eternity. Help me allow people to remember my words even when I'm gone. He goes on, Shimon ben Nezira, b'shem Rabbi Yitzchak Amar. Shimon ben Nezira, name Rabbi Yitzchak said, Kol Talmud Chacham, listen to this, Rabbi, this is quite amazing. Kol Talmud Chacham, Kol Talmud Chacham, Sha'omrim dvar halacha mipiv ba'olam hazeh, any Talmud Chacham, who they say over halacha in his name, in this world, Svasav rochashos imo bekever. Listen to this. His lips literally move in the grave. 
when you say over the words of a tzaddik, his lips literally move in the grave. Now, now, what what exactly is the benefit to the to the person of lips moving in the grave? The idea is that he's part of the learning process as well. When you quote something in the name of someone, that's why the Gemara says that When you say something in the name of that, when you properly attribute a particular teaching, you bring redemption to the world. And I will say that means a couple of things. On one level, it also means that when you attribute something to the original source, what you're showing is that you're not learning Torah for your own covet. Because if you want to learn Torah for your own covet, what would you do? You would not attribute it all. You, you would take credit for having said this, but what attribution shows humility, shows that you're not learning for covet, you're learning for the sake of, of ultimately learning. And furthermore, again, the gu'ula is that you connect the living with the dead. Because in that moment, what occurs is, I connect with the neshama of the person whom I am quoting. The lips of the deceased literally move in the grave. Shina because the Pasuk says, hatov. Literally means like your palate is like the good wine. Dovev sifse yeshanim. They move like the lips of the old. What does that mean? Ma komer shalanovim zeh. Just like it was like komer avanovim literally means a mass of grapes. Kevan shamaniach adam etzbo'o alov. Miyad dovid. Now, I'll say again, if you have a mass of grapes, I guess if you're making wine. So if you have the, if you have the ma- grape mass sitting in the vat, and you push down on the mass, so the liquid, the wine bubbles up. Af sif so seim shalat tzadikim, so to the lips of the righteous. Kevan shomrim dvar halachim epiyam. When you say something in their name, shalat tzadikim, sif so seim merachashos imayan bekever. Their lips move along with those learning in the kever. So the Gemara says, Mahano, but what is Mahano Alo? What is the benefit? Meaning, what, what is the benefit of, of, of the lips moving in the camera? Like, what, what, what does that do for the, for the deceased? Listen to this. So the Gemara says, Mahano Alo, Barazira says, Kadein Dishasi Kunditon. You know what the pleasure is? The pleasure is like when you have a good glass of Kunditon. What's Kunditon? If you look at the Tiklin Charitin, he says, Kunditun yayin im divash. This was a type of wine that had spices, a sweeter wine. So it had, it had honey and a number of other ingredients as well. Rabbi Yitzchak says, Amar Amar kahadein dishasi chamar atik. Just like one who drinks a good aged wine. I will say, I think what he's referring to here is the following. You know, what happens when you have a, a good glass of wine, whether it's the uh, Kunditun or it's the aged wine? So the truth is, the beauty of wine is, a good glass of wine brings a certain amount of contentment. Right? A person just feels content. So the Gemara is saying over here is that when you see something over in the name of someone who is deceased, ultimately what it brings is it brings a certain level of contentment to the neshama. It allows the neshama, really, if you think about it, it allows the neshama to feel a sense of fulfillment. Remember, we also have this idea that wine also has the ability to satiate. So when you have the glass of wine, you feel satiated, but also what? You feel content. So so too, when the mace knows that words of Torah are being said over in its name, Lemaisa, there's a sense of contentment. And the Gemara ends off by saying over here, You know, also with the Kunditun and the aged wine, even once you finish drinking it, the taste is left on the palate. Almost as if to say, again, that's the beauty of leaving behind Torah, that the taste is left on the palate even when the wine is gone. The residual effects of the Torah that I taught remain even when I am no longer here. Rav, Rav Gidol Amar, Ha'oser Ha'omer Shmua B'Shem Omro, 
So also if Gil takes us a step further, when you say over a halacha in the name of someone, or not just a halacha, when you say over a concept in the name of someone, you should try to visualize the person standing right before you. Shene'emar, as the Pazit says, according to the Pazit from Telim, Ach b'tselem yishalich ish. Literally, with the image of a person, a man should walk. So I'll say, this is the idea that when you conjure up, when you conjure up the image, if, um, you know, when you conjure up the image of the person whom you are quoting, it gives a greater reverence to the teaching. So try to visual, obviously, it only works if you knew the person or if you saw the person. But let me say again, try to visualize the person whom you are quoting. So Uksev in the Pasak also says, um, let me just see if there was a... Take a look, I will say, take a look at, um, take a look at the carbon ha'eda just for one moment. Carbon ha'eda is on the right-hand side. You see where it says, Rav Gidl Amar Ha'omer Shmua B'Shem Omra. Sorry for making you skip around. It's towards the top, actually. It's about probably like, like 12 lines down in the short lines. Rav Gidl Amar Ha'omer Shmua B'Shem Omra. Yireh Bal Shmua Kilo Omid You should view the person who made the statement as if he's standing opposite you. Sha'al Yidei Kain Yagid Sha'al Yidei Kain Yagid Hadavar. I'm sorry, I just lost the place now. Sha'al Yidei Kain Yagid Hadavar Al Of No. Therefore, you will be meticulous to say over the teaching in the right way. The Iker Halimud Merabo Beriyas Panim. Because we'll say, interestingly enough, the best way we learn from our Rebbe is through actual, actually seeing him. Also, I hear the Gemara is kind of a fascinating dynamic, which is that often part of the learning experience is the human interaction. Not, not, just, not just hearing the information, but the actual human interaction. So therefore, if Gidl says <coughs> that when you're going to say something in the na- over in the name of someone, view it as if your Rebbe is right there before you, as if the person is right in front of you. That will help you say over the idea with greater clarity. See, so goes on. Ksiv, Rav Adam Yikra Ish Chasto, Zeshar Kol Adam, Ve'ish Emunim Miyimsa. So we'll say, I think Mark quotes another passage. Ve'ish Emunim Miyimsa, and a person of faith who will find, Ze Rabbi Zi'ira. This refers to Rabbi Zi'ira. Dom Rabbi Zi'ira. Lesson, listen on, Srichin Chashashin L'Shmaite D'Rav Sheshes. We do not have to pay heed. We don't have to pay attention to the teachings of Rav Sheshes. Why? Da'ha Gavra Miftecha. Because Rav Sheshes was blind. Gavra Miftcha literally means he was a man with open eyes, which is a, which is a euphemist way of saying he was blind. Take a look at the Tikkun Charetin. Vugavra Miftcha Saginahar. He was blind. And therefore, we have to be concerned that maybe he was not as careful with his teachings. So listen to this. So, so interestingly enough, Rabbi Zeiro went so far to say that we have to be careful with the teachings of Rav Sheshes because since Rav Sheshes was blind, the man says it's possible that his teachings are not as sharp. Not as sharp. Amali Rabbi Zira, the Rabbi Asi, Chachim Rabbi Lebar Pasya. So Rabbi Zira said said to Rabbi, "Are you wise when it comes to the teachings of Bar Pasya?" Da'at Amar Shmaita Mishmei. You say over, you say over teachings in his name. But he was saying, "Is did you ever actually see Bar Pasya? Did you ever actually learn across from him that you could quote his that you could quote his teachings?" To which Rabbi responds, "Amar Rabbi Rabbi Yochanan." 
Rabbi Yochanan Amra Mishmei, Rabbi Yochanan Amra Mishmei. So what Rabbi responds is, essentially, I learned it from my Rebbe, who learned it directly from Barpasia. So you're right, I don't learn from Barpasia itself, but it's okay. I learned in the physical presence of my Rebbe, and my Rebbe learned in the physical presence of his Rebbe, and therefore we have this issue or this aspect of sight when it comes to learning. Amri Rabbi Zilu Rabbasi, Chacham Rebbe, Chacham Rebbe, Chacham, excuse me, Amrli Rabbi Zira the Rabbi Asi. Rabbi Zira said to Rabbi Asi, Chachim Rabbi Lerav, Da'at Amr Shmaisa Samishmei. Have you learned by Ravi, you're so smart when it comes to the teachings of Rav, that you can go over and give her over his teachings? So we'll say same thing. What, what Rabbi Zira was saying was, you didn't learn in front of this person, you never saw him. How can you give over his teachings? Amrli Rabbi Adabar Ava Amr Mishmei. I learned under Rabbi Adabar Ava, and Rabbi Adabar Ava learned under Rabbi Asi, and therefore he can quote his teachings, and I learned from him. Fine. So the Gemara says, Ein dar shein bo leitzanin. Rabbi saying, every generation, there is leitzanos. Leitzanos is like, um, mockery. Mockery. Right? So leitzanos, leitzanos really refers to <coughs> not just simply cracking jokes. Leitzanos means trying to negate the importance of things. In every generation, there is leitzanos. Even Doro shall David. Even in the generation of David HaMelech. Listen to this. It's actually a very moving Gemara. Mahayu prutze hadar osin. Then I will say, and David Amalek had many, many enemies. And many people from, and I don't mean external enemies, I mean internal enemies. And many people who made his life really a living Gehenna. And people really, they, they, they disparaged David Amalek ter- terribly. So what Mahayu prutze hadar osin, what did the, what did the prutzim, what did the, the lowest people of the generation used to do? Hayu holchen eitzel chalonoso shal David. They would walk by the windows of David Amalek. Omrim um, they would say to him, David, David, a Masai ye bone base amikdosh. When are we going to build the base amikdosh? A Masai base Hashem nebech. When are we going to get to walk? When are we going to get to go to the house of God? So say, they were taunting David. David wanted to build the base amikdosh, but Akhadosh Baruch Hu told David he is not going to build it. Shlomo is going to build it for a variety of different reasons. David was not to build it. So people knew how much David wanted to build it, but they also know that God said no to him. So those who wanted to taunt him, when, when are we going to build? When, when, when are we going to break ground? When are we going to go to the base Hashem? The higher David Omer. David used to say, Afapi, Shem is to listen to these midos. David Omer says, You know what? I know that they're trying to bait me. I know they're trying to get me upset, but you know what? Yavo Eilai. Yavo Eilai means, I swear, Imlo Haisi Samech Bedivrehem. I swear that I am so happy to hear their words. Why am I so happy to hear their words? Because again, David Omer said, Afa got, he was happy to hear that people wanted the Beis HaMikdash. Right? Even though they're doing it to taunt me, at least look at your children. Look how they want, if they're going to taunt me, let them tell me about Beis HaMikdash. Look how much they want it. samachti li Beis Hashem Nelech. I will say again, amazingly enough, David HaMelech quotes in Tehillim, this is in Tehillim 122, I used to rejoice when they said to me, let us go to the house of God. So this capital was written, he was being taunted. He was being taunted, but yet, he said, you know what, but Baruch Hashem, at least they want the Beis HaMikdash. V'hayu, so David HaMelech, you say, Tachadosh Baruch Hu, when are we going to go to the Beis HaMikdash? And Tachadosh Baruch Hu said, V'haya ki yimalu yamecha v'shachavtas avasach. You know when we're going to build the Beis HaMikdash? When your days, David, are filled out, and you will lay with your fathers, and you sleep with your fathers, death, then we'll build the Beis HaMikdash. Amalek HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God said to David, listen, yamim shlemim animon lecha, Kashmach says to David, you are going to live out your full life, 
and I will not take away any of the days of your life in order to expedite the Because remember, Beis Hamidash could only be built once David was dead and Shlomo assumed the monarchy. But God says, David, I'm not going to in any way lessen your lifespan in order to hasten the building of the Beis Hamidash. Well, listen to how beautiful this is. I'm going to count for you full days and not partial days. Your son Shlomo is going to build a base on Mikdash. And what's going to happen in that base on Mikdash? They're going to offer up communal offerings. But David, I have something to tell you. I appreciate the tzedakah, the, 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 the charity, the chesed that you do, the mishpat, the justice that you hand out. I appreciate that more than all of the kabbalas that will be offered in the Beis HaMikdash of Shlomo. I appreciate your chesed. I appreciate your mishpat more than kabbalas. Shene emar, oset tzedaka u mishpat nivchar lahashem mizevach. As the Pasek in Mishle says, and this is Shlomo Melech, the one who built the Beis HaMikdash reflects on this, and he says, you know what, I've come to realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves the one who does tzedakah and mishpat more than the one who just simply offers up karbanos. So as much as, as much as HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as much as David says, let's build the Beis HaMikdash, even if that comes at the expense of my life, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, uh-uh. I'm not willing in any way to decrease your lifespan even by a day. We saw about say similar Gemara Masechah Shabbos because David, what you bring to this world, what you infuse into this world, a sense of tzedakah, a sense of charity, a sense of kindness, a sense of mishpat, justice, standing up for what's right, that's more important than all of the kabbalos in the Beis HaMikdash. So you're going to live your full life. Again, David not lived a short life, but for him it was a full life. And when your full life is over, then will come the era of the Beis HaMikdash. Hadron Allah mitzarfin shkalen. We'll say Shukoyach. Uh, 8.15 tomorrow. 8.15.